All right, well, let's start with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's say the prayer that Jesus himself taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, well, um, welcome to the first of our Lenten Talk series. Um, over the years, this is my eighth year here in Shaftesbury, I've done different types of talks. I've done talks that were catechetical for different series. I've done talks that were apologetic, giving the reasons for our faith to other people. This is a different series of talks altogether. This is a, a talk that is a spiritual in its focus, about the living of the Christian life for ourselves, how we can live it better. Um, and... I'll be using various tools from saints, from the spiritual life. Um, and I've called this talk, the series, Finding God in Ordinary Life. Uh, and in drawing from that, I'm going to be drawing from a lot of my own uh, spiritual life, which is largely um, inspired by the teachings of Opus Dei, who use ordinary life, primarily the lay vocation, as their focus. Um, so that's why we've got this talk title, and our first title tonight uh, is Sanctifying Ordinary Life. So we're looking at not distant life, not weird life, ordinary life, and finding God in ordinary life. So I've got about 30 slides, which should take me about 30 minutes to get through, uh, so we can either have a little discussion at the end of that, but... If you want to interrupt me with a question or a thought or whatever during that, then that's fine as well. That might ease the monotony of my voice. So I've got there an image of, well, six different images of different things from ordinary life. If we were to ask the question, well, which image there would you find God in? Well, you might think that, well, you'd find him praying. Um, and obviously, hopefully, if you're praying, you're finding God. Um, we all know that you can sit there and you can kneel there and you can have your eyes closed and sometimes it's a struggle. Uh, it's not automatic. But I've put a collection of different images because every one of these different images of ordinary life is a place where we can find God, where we should find God. And that's what I want to really unpack tonight. And um, actually, when I was thinking what different <coughs> images to put there, um, so I've got an image of work, got an image of enjoying yourself, that it doesn't have to be something unpleasant in order to be finding God. But I also made a conscious choice to put an image of somebody praying there, that actually, if we're thinking about ordinary life, actually prayer should be part of what we think of as ordinary life. It's not something weird and unusual. It should be a, a regular part of our day. So, in which of those activities can we find God? Well, my point's going to be all of them. And obviously, some of those are more easy to find God than others. 
Um, prayer obviously is directly and explicitly focused on him. But any one of these should be a place to find God. So sanctifying ordinary life. Sanctifying means um, to make something holy. So we're going to be looking at ordinary life and how to make that holy. And I'm going to focus on four things tonight. First and the main thing I'm going to focus on is to take the pivotal example of work. If work, in a sense, the most what we often experience is the most unpleasant part of life, if we can find God there, then it should be fairly straightforward how to find him in anything else. I'm going to focus also on the question of joy, that joy is the test of whether we have found God or not, that the saints were happy. And then finally, as a way of kind of focusing all that at the end, Two motives that should characterise what we're doing in our ordinary activity. The glory of God and doing things in love. So we've got here an image um, of the Garden of Eden. So if you wondered what Eden looked like, uh, there it is. And I'm starting with Eden to start with a thought of how we can find God in all created things. Because this is a sense a very simple point, but a very important foundational point. Why is it that anything I'm doing is a place where I can find God? Well, it's because every single thing in this universe was made by him. There's no activity I can engage in that doesn't come from him. And therefore, every single thing can be a place where I find him. Now, it can also be a place where I exclude him, where I sin. It's not automatic that I'm going to find him there. But at its root, it should be easier to find him there than to not find him there, because it all comes from him. So remembering the creation is a pivotal foundation in thinking about why ordinary things can be a place to find God. And as I said, I'm going to focus this on the question of work, finding God in work. Um, obviously, one of the classic images for that is St. Joseph. St. Joseph there in his carpenter shop. Um, so we can look to him as one of the great examples of sanctifying ordinary work. And obviously, St. Joseph would have had the Lord Jesus um, by his side as he was working there. He wouldn't have found it difficult to find God. Now, let me shift the focus of this, particularly for those of us who work, um, work a nine-to-five-hour day. If you think of it, most of your day is spent working. Nine-to-five is eight hours of the day. Eight hours of the day is more than you spend sleeping. It's more than you spend relaxing, more than you spend eating. Most of your day, you spend working. So... Being able to find God at work is therefore pretty important because it's the biggest chunk of your day. And thinking again of that um, working image, that a working life is 18 to 65, or at least classically, so that's 47 years. Again, for 
most of us, and the Admiral excluded, I suppose, is the majority of our lives. Um, I don't expect to live more than double 47. Um, so most of our life we spend working. So it's really important that we're able to find God in work. But, got an image there of the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve being cast out. As a theological explanation about why we find work problematic. So actually, I'm saying we can find God in work. Well, most of us actually, that's not what we experience most of the time. Whether you're ironing or hoovering or at a desk. Um, most of us find work unexciting, unrewarding. We find it the place where we are least likely to find it. And this comes from what we read in Genesis. So after the original sin, after Adam and Eve had sinned, Adam was cursed. He was told, be accursed in sweat and toil shall you labor. So originally everything had been made beautiful. Everything was perfect there. But as a result of sin, he's told, it's in sweat and toil you will labor. And that's obviously what we experience. Labor is something laborious. That's what we think of the, the word in English. However, if we wind a little back earlier in the Genesis account, that isn't what it is at the beginning. So, it says earlier in Genesis that there was no one to till the ground before Adam was made. So Adam was made in order to till the ground. He was given the command to till the earth and cultivate it. And he was given that command before the curse that came after original sin. So said there at the top, work is a primordial blessing. That at the beginning, work wasn't a curse. At the beginning, work wasn't a bad thing. So yes, we experience work as something <coughs> hard, difficult, in sweat and toil. But when it was given to Adam, it wasn't. Now obviously, the account of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden has lots of symbol as well as literal truth. Um, but this is one of the things that is foundational in our belief, that things were perfect as they came from God. It was our sin or the sin of our first parents that brought disorder into that. And one of the shifts in that disorder is that work changes from being something we experience as a primordial blessing to being something as we experience as saying here, work in itself isn't bad. Work in itself is a blessing. Work in itself is something given to us by God. It's something by which I develop myself. I develop the world around me. It's a good thing. Technology is great when it works, isn't it? There we go. 
Ah, okay, yes, a different thought again. So, when the book of Genesis describes God's activity in the work of creation, it describes him as working. So he worked making creation. And the Hebrew word for that, um, both work and worship, is the same word that we use as liturgy. Um, so this is, in a sense, an even clearer image, that work isn't in itself a bad thing. If God himself is doing it, we are therefore, when we work, and as Adam was given this gift to be working, he was giving a share in God's activity. All right, shifting our focus um, well on from Genesis to the Gospels, to the Incarnation. So here we have an image of St. Joseph and the, the boy Jesus working there in the carpenter shop. Um, and when we think about the lay vocation in ordinary life, we often think about what's called the, the 30 years of the hidden life of Jesus. That for 30 years, Jesus wasn't publicly going about preaching. He was just hidden there in Nazareth. And he'd have been working, doing ordinary things. So in our ordinary things, in our ordinary work, we can have Jesus with us, by us, just as truly as he was by St. Joseph. And that's an image of what we need to be seeking to have in whatever work we're doing, to have the Lord by us. Okay, here's a quotation, a quotation for the evening. So there's one quotation that you hear tonight, and I hope you take home with you. This is the quotation. Uh, so this is a quote from St. Josemaria. Um, he said, Sanctify your work, sanctify yourself in your work, and sanctify others through your work. So in talking about work as a place where we can find God... Work is a thing that can be sanctified. I want to break it down in those three categories. What does it mean? Um, so to think first about sanctifying work, then sanctifying yourself in your work, and if you're doing that, out to others, that you'll sanctify others too in, through your work. So firstly, sanctifying your work. Now here we have an image of St. Joseph. Um, you can see he's smiling. Interesting image to have of St. Joseph working there in the carpenter's shop. Um, we might think of St. Joseph more classically as piously serious. But um, one of the things I'm trying to say is that joy is one of the tests of whether we've found God in our work. So actually this image of St. Joseph smiling um, is, I think, quite a, a useful image. So, sanctifying your work. I'm going to say three different ways that we need to sanctify work. First, just simply at a natural level, to do work well. So if works come from God, if work is something he has given us, then the first thing we need to be doing if we're going to sanctify it is simply to do it well, to take it seriously, to not do it in a sloppy manner, not to do it in a rushed manner, not just to do it as something to get out of the way, but to do it as something that has dignity, is from the hand of God. 
So if you think about it, when we pray, we all know it's very easy to pray in a sloppy manner, in a rushed manner, uh, to pray without focus. But I think we also all know pretty easily that that's not the right way to pray. That the right way to pray is actually to take it carefully, with focus, when we make a sign of the cross, to do it properly. And we think that's clear because we see prayer as something important. They think, well, obviously, well, God would think prayer is important, so that's something we should do carefully. But the other stuff, well, you can just get that over with. Well, no, if work is a blessing from God, if work has been given to us by God, if work is a thing that has dignity, then actually that is something we have to do well. And that's the, the first and most simple level that sanctifying work involves, is to do it and to do it well. And to repeat, that means seeing dignity in it. So when I have some task to do, even if it's as unexciting as cleaning the kitchen sink, um, if I see it as something that ultimately comes from the hand of God, just like all creation does, then it has dignity. It's worth doing well. It's not just something to get out of the way. But all of this is from him. He wants his creation to not just exist, but to exist beautifully, exist well. And when I do wash the dishes and wash them well, well, I'm making his creation that little bit more what he wants it to be. I'm sharing in his work of creation. And if I stop to think that, that's going to make me do it differently. With dignity, do it well. Okay, so I said that first of all as a natural level, simply to do it well. Well, let's take that a level higher. Not just to do it well, but to do it, as I've said there, out of love. So if you are <coughs> doing um, a job, getting a salary, and you're getting a salary for a family, well, you can do it in love for the people that will get the money that will be supported by the salary. If you are cleaning your house, and there are other people in the house where you can be cleaning the house in love for the other people that will be benefiting from that. That any work we do, we can see how others will be affected by it and do it, therefore, with love as a motive. And as a supernatural motive, we can do it for love of God. As I said, if we see this as his creation, as his world being made that little bit more beautiful by me doing it well, then I can do it out of love for him, giving it to him. So St. Jose Maria used to talk about supernaturalizing the natural. So you do the natural work, you do it well, but then you supernaturalize it, you lift it to a higher order by offering it to God, lifting it to God, doing it for love of him. What else was there? Oh, yes. St. Josemaria often used to use this um, line from John when the Lord said, When I am lifted up, I will draw all things to myself. 
Now, the Lord, in that context, is thinking primarily about salvation uh, and dying for our salvation on the cross. But St. Josemarie used to say, well, we can also take this as an image of how all of our activity can be lifted up um, to the Lord. Now, hopefully we're all familiar with the thought of making a morning offering at the start of the day, whether we remember to or not. But a morning offering is doing this at the start of the day. I take my first moment of the day and I pray to God. I think ahead of what lies ahead today and I offer it to God. And although there are many different prayers of morning offering and we can make up our own if we wish to every morning, but this phrase, I offer you, is the pivot of what the whole thing's about. That I'm not entering into this day for myself. I'm not entering into this day just to get it over with like every other day. I'm entering into this day and offering it to the Lord who is the one who gave it to me. So this sanctifying work by doing it well, offering it to him in love, that's what a morning offering is doing at the start of the day. A third and final level of this first category, sanctifying your work, a redemptive level. So to offer our pain and drudgery and unite it with the cross. So I've talked quite a bit already about Genesis and the vision of creation inspiring how we think about work. But because suffering has entered this world with sin, well, the drudgery and pain aspect of our work, well, that can be something we unite with the cross and has therefore a redemptive union, a redemptive aspect to how we sanctify our work. Not just at the order of creation level, but at the order of redemption so sanctifying your work three ways we do that doing it well doing it well out of love offered to God and in as much as there's difficulty in it doing it well out of love for God uniting it to the cross okay more briefly now I want to comment on the next line from St. Josemir's quote so sanctify your work, sanctify yourself in your work. Let me quote the Second Vatican Council here, which said, When he works, not only does he transform material things and society, but he develops himself as well. So when I'm working, I'm not just doing stuff outside of me, but by that doing of stuff, I'm changing myself. And when I do stuff repeatedly, I form myself. I form habits and character in myself. So this is another level, another aspect in which work sanctifies. How it sanctifies me by doing it well. Whereas conversely, if you think about it, if I do my work sloppily, if I do it carelessly, and I always do it sloppily, I always do it carelessly... Well, that changes me, that develops me, but develops me not in a good way, in a bad way. Whereas every time I do my work well, and do it well today and tomorrow, this moment, the next moment, I am habituating myself, I'm changing myself, I'm developing myself 
not just developing my work. Okay. So, quoted there, St. Josemaria. St. Josemaria said that work is the raw material of holiness. So what's holiness made out of? Well, it's made out of primarily my work, because that's the biggest chunk of what I do with my day. I've asked there a question. What would my life look like if I was a saint? Um, and obviously that might be slightly confusing for me to ask as a priest, because one of the false models we can have of holiness is that, well, it's what a priest's like. Um, well, if you ask that question, though, of yourself, um, we hear in Scripture time and again that he has called <coughs> all of you to be saints. Well, what would your life look like if you were a saint? And the point we need to grasp is that your life wouldn't be a different life. You wouldn't have a different job. You wouldn't live in a different city. You wouldn't live in a different town or a different house. You would have the same circumstances. The thing that would be different would be you and how you would live there, how you would love there, how your work would be done differently. So what would you look like as a saint? Well, it would be the same you, the same face. I wouldn't have a full head of hair just because I was a saint. I would still have glasses. Um, but I would be more loving. My work would be done more perfectly. It would be more completely offered to him. Um, so I would be changing myself, sanctifying myself in my work. Um, last aspect of this quote from St. Josemaria, sanctifying others through your work. So, if I am working well, offering it to God, doing it for love, I am changing the work, I am changing myself in doing the work well, but I will also change others around me. And this is a final aspect in which we can see work sanctifying and how work needs to be sanctified. So you can sanctify others by the example of your work done well. So we all know the experience that if you're working with somebody and they do something in a more clever way than you've ever done it before, you might well learn to do it the way they did it. Um, well, the same way holy work. If we see somebody working in a sanctified way, that by example can have an influence on others. Um, and similarly by our words and teaching. If we are just naturally in our work thinking about Jesus, talking about the Lord, um, that will affect our conversation, the conversation of others too. So, as I said, quote for the evening. Sanctify your work, sanctify yourself in your work, sanctify others through your work. And as a motive for doing that, well, to do it for the glory of God and to do it out of love.
So as we read in Corinthians, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do at all, do it all for the glory of God. And to do it out of love. Love for him, love for my neighbour. So as I'm doing this task, doing it well, to be thinking well, I'm doing it to give glory to God because I love God, offering it to him. Okay, this last section is going to be a bit shorter, but is pretty pivotal in its importance as a, as a, um, a test. So again, this image of the smiling St. Joseph. He's found God in his work. He's offering it to him. Um, it's a thing of joy. Frank Sheed, I think it's Frank Sheed, wrote a very famous book in the 1950s called Saints Were Not Sad. Um, and it's a, a lovely phrase summing this up. Um, Here's another quotation from St. Josemaria saying, To be happy, what you need is not an easy life, but a heart which is in love. That so often we think, well, I'd be happy if my life was easier, if I didn't have exams at school, if I didn't have the awful boss I have. Um, but what really makes us happy is whether we're in love. A man who is in love is a man with joy in his heart. And if we are in love with others, if we are in love with the Lord, then we have joy. And if in my work, I am working with love, if in my work, I am finding my work as a thing I can do in love, for love, for others, then I find joy even in my work. And the fact that I have joy or don't is a test of whether my work has been sanctified, whether my life has been sanctified, whether my ordinary things, whether it's the ironing or the whatever, if I'm finding joy in it, love in it, that's the test. Father, can I just ask, is he a Spanish saint? Yes. Sorry, yes. Uh, Spanish saint, um, 19... 30s to the 60s, his vision was about sanctifying lay people and the lay state. Um, and while we'd never know for sure who wrote which Vatican II documents, he's considered to have been very influential in the decree on the laity. Um, and that was his focus, focusing the lay state. 1990 something so under John Paul II um, I'm going to focus this joy question slightly differently now and I've been asking you know finding God well where would we find God on this chart so I put two different um, axes here pleasure and pain and joy and sadness. And if we think where we find God there, well, we all know there's a certain image of the spiritual life that says, well, you've got to be miserable to be a saint, so where's God going to be? He's going to be over here. Or maybe not miserable, but certainly in a lot of pain. Um, well, where's God on that slide? Well, what I'm trying to say here is 
Joy is one of the tests of whether we have God. If we have love, we have joy. Now you can have joy, you can be in love and be in physical pain. You can be in love and be in physical pleasure. <coughs> joy goes with both of those. Similarly, you can be sad and have physical pleasure. You can be sad and have physical pain. So I've got an image of this. Um, I think that's from the Monty Python film, The Meaning of Life, uh, the grotesquely fat man who eats so much he explodes. Um, and he's not a happy man. Uh, he's stuffing himself more and more. He has physical pleasure, but he doesn't have joy. That pleasure is not the same thing as joy. Joy is a deeper thing. Um, conversely, um, is a random image of a martyr, that the martyrs frequently are described in their acts of martyrdom going to the cross, going to their death with joy because they had union with God. They were in love with the Lord. So this is a spiritual level, spiritual joy or spiritual sadness. This is a physical level, physical pleasure or physical pain. Um, and that this is the test of whether we are in union with God, whether we've found God. And we can find him there or there um, in different moments of life. But love is the test. If you can read that 1950s image of a housewife. Why, well, I'd be delighted to put my needs last again. Um, obviously said with a touch of cynicism there. But we can put our needs last in love. And if it's a real love, then actually it should bring with it joy. As opposed to that grinding, resentful, okay, my needs come last again. Um, in which case we will no doubt have sadness in our hearts. <coughs> so back again, joy. That a man in love is a man with joy in his heart. So summing that all up, we've been talking about finding God in ordinary life, therefore sanctifying, making holy ordinary life. I focus primarily on the example of work and how work, far from being an unpleasant thing, is an original blessing, a thing from God, a place, a thing we can do for God, with love for God, offer to him, and be a place where we, therefore, in love, have joy, um, and the motives in our work, in our ordinary activity, um, is doing it for the glory of God and for love of All right, well, that's everything.